Welcome, YouTube creators, to the Tube Labs podcast, because you can't experiment enough or talk too much YouTube. I would like to welcome my friend Gwen Miller to the Tube Labs podcast. It's first time on the show, but she, like myself, is kind of a data geek, so she's just going to be a great conversation. I know it. Uh, but first, I, I want to just one welcome Gwen, and Gwen, would you let everybody in the uh, Tube Lab world just let us know a little bit about yourself? Sure. So first of all, thanks for having me. I'm really excited about this. Uh, my name is, as you said, Gwen Miller. Um, I am VP of Content and Kin, which is a digital lifestyle company that works with celebrities like Tia Mori and Adrian Houghton to launch channels across mostly YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram aimed at a woman who's about 25 to 44. So that's what I do in my day man. job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You are definitely not in my demographic. <laughs> Me personally, as you pointed out, my kind of passion points are kind of data-driven creative. Mm -hmm. So how do we use all these amazing data points that we can get through digital means to make our content better? Not to use it as a heavy hammer that's forcing us to not be creative, but right. using it as a tool to essentially be, look, your audience is talking directly to you. It's just in code. And how do we translate that into, you know, English and are able to utilize that to give better content to both the audience, but also for ourselves. That's a good way to put it. They're, they're, they're talking to you, but it's in code. And mm -hmm. yeah, I like that a lot. You know, it's kind of funny. I know, I know that, um, uh, you like uh, Matt Geelan's work, and I certainly do. I, I don't know if you know he was on the one-year anniversary of this show. And it was kind of like, I think for him, was like going going to a party where you don't know anyone and then discovering you're the guest of honor. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so anyway, it, it was a thrill to have him. <laughs> and uh, he, he shared a lot of information. So, you know, there are some people that get into this, but a lot of people don't. You know, and, and yeah. so there are a few of us who really like to dig deep. I, I guess I would like to ask you, what, what are some of the things you think a lot of creators are missing when they maybe one, look at say analytics, or it doesn't even have to be analytics, but looking at analytics and get overwhelmed, or maybe just when they're just being very creative, but could do a little bit more, maybe there's a little something right. that they could kind of review. Maybe let's just start right there. It's a very basic level. Yeah, look, you know, this is something that, you know, ever since I, I got into digital back in the early days, like ha initially kind of baffled me, like not just at the creator level, but even at like the professional industry level, you know, I, you know, I started out in TV, we had one mm -hmm. metric, the, the Nielsen rating, which right. we all thought sucked. Like it was not exactly what I would say a very accurate me measurement. It's, you know, it's panel data of, you know, a kind of sus uh, uh, data pool. So when I came over to digital and I realized, whoa, you have literally thousands of thousands of data points here. We know every second what everyone is doing watching our videos. It's mind blowing. Like having this much data at your fingertips 30 years ago would have been like game changing for the entire industry. Sure. And I think what happened was it went from we have one data point to we have thousands of data points. And that was very overwhelming for everybody. Right. And I think the reaction was just to try to ignore it all or just use views, which at the end of the day, I actually do believe is a useful metric, but is also on its own a very misleading metric. Mm. So that I think is where people kind of got bogged down. And I, I think that applies to the creator level as well for the creators that I've worked with over the years. It's just they don't 
really know what they should be paying attention to or they're paying attention to the wrong things. And usually usually they'll pick some sort of pet metric. Uh, I know like one of the OG YouTubers um, who I, I was talking to once was like, the only thing I look at is the like to dislike ratio. And really? I was like, oh, really? <laughs> and I was like, huh, that if you look at only the like to dislike ratio, you're essentially going to optimize for the blandest content possible because mm. you're, you're going to just be looking for what's the least people dislike. So and that was actually very correct. Like she started doing these very blind videos and within a year, her, her channel died. So you got to be careful when you're playing in these spaces because you can find a metric that may be your pet metric, but it may not be telling you what you think it should be telling you. Right. Um, if I had to give like, here is like, if you're going to pay attention to one thing beyond views and only one thing, the thing I, I love to tell people to start looking at is like, look, you have two constituencies within your channel and you have to keep both of them happy if you want to sustain your channel, but you also want to grow. And those are your subscribers. And the, and then there are the new viewers, the unsubscribed, non-subscribe viewers. Mm -hmm. If you look at them all in one pot, the problem is they both behave very differently and there's different levels you levers you need to pull to mm -hmm. keep one and attain the other. So it gets muddy if you're looking at overall views is my opinion. So I like to do, and you can do this in studio, is you can go in and you can essentially filter by how the subscriber is interacting and how the unsubscriber is interacting. So it's especially important for the subscriber because they will always be, if you have a growing channel, a subset. They will be in the minority, but you yep. need to pay attention to them because you can fall into this trap. It's like the death trap for any channel where it can be very easy. You can find this like mythical like format that brings in all these unsubscribed viewers but and i've seen this happen multiple times in real life if it also alienates your subscriber base which can be very hard to tell if you're just looking at the overall subs uh, the right. overall view number if it is actively like making making your subscriber base mad they'll start leaving and this new people coming in will probably look at the rest of your content and it's not going to be for them because it's obviously a very different audience if right. it's not a, appealing to your subscriber base. So I've literally seen channels have great viral videos, keep doing those videos over and over again and end up destroying their entire channel because they have subscriber bleed and they don't get enough to, to fill that bleed. So that's why I'm always like, guys, make sure you're looking at your subscribe views separately from your unsubscribe views. Interesting. I've, I mean, obviously, We've talked about that in various forms, but nobody's ever said that directly to us in that way. I mean, that forcefully, like it really is that important. I mean, it's, you know, we've talked about the idea of that, yeah, you know, for a lot of channels, uh, mine, I mean, I think 8% is my subscribers and the rest are, un, you know, non-subscribers. Right. Um, but, you know, you make such a tremendous point um, that, yeah, really pay attention to what each want. And because your subscribers are obviously in theory, your more loyal fans who are going to click the next video they see versus the unsubscribers who just may have found one video that they really liked and that's it. Is that, is that a good way to put it? Yeah, for sure. And you also have to realize with your subscribers is they're not just the super fans. They are the early signals for the algorithm to take it out to those unsubscribed viewers. So 
it's very hard over time. It, you can do it in the short term, but over time, what you'll see is if you alienate the subscriber base, you'll end up being shown to fewer unsubscribed viewers in, in the future. Because uh, like those early signals, who's co coming across your video in the first 24 to 48 hours? Right. It's mostly the super fans, which is mostly yes. the subscriber base, though it could be for some of the rando people who don't know how to hit the subscribe button, but still watch you. <laughs> yeah. Like, YouTube will find them and put them in front of them, but it's it's pretty it's pretty corollary. Like your subscriber base are your regular watchers, right? Mm -hmm. And if they are not loyal to you and coming back on a regular basis to to your videos, it's very hard to get that large unsubscribe growth on top of that. So right. even though you might look at that being like, oh, it's only a third of my views, it is the most important third of your views to curry favor with. Sure. Sure. Very good. So digging in a little bit deeper from that point, someone wants to know a little bit more, not, not just, you know, how many subscribers and keeping, right. I mean, obviously the viewer is the center point of everything, but right. if you want to take it a step further, know a few more of those metrics that really could help you understand what is happening on your channel, or maybe some things right. that you have noticed that maybe people are not talking about. What are some of those things that you might want to look at? So we talked a little bit about, you know, the importance of retaining your subscriber base. Yeah. But I've also had, I think the number one question that creators come to me with is like, why am I not growing? Mm -hmm. Like my subscriber base loves me and I don't get why I'm not growing. And I've seen some very, very, uh, a couple of channels where this was very stark, where literally had some of the most enthusiastic subscriber bases I've ever seen, mm -hmm. huge numbers from the subscribers, barely any under, uh, any unsubscribed views. Hmm. Well, there is a couple things you can do to kind of dig into this part of the equation that will get at why am I not growing? Because there's kind of two different reasons that you might not be growing, one of them which is easier to fix than the other one. So the one number one option is maybe you're just not getting a lot of exposure. It's kind of, in, at the end of the day, a marketing problem. I'm not getting enough unsubscribed views. Usually that comes down to you're not doing the types of things that will get you unsubscribed views. So uh, if you're a channel that tends to do very niche topic, like topic or formats, mm -hmm. so things that if you're not like, if you have kind of an in-joke with your, with your subscriber base, where it's like this format that you've come up, it's very unique, nobody else on YouTube is doing it. Now, I think what a lot of people mistakenly think is the more unique it is to me, the better it must be for bringing in new viewers, right? You want to stand out, right? right? That's not how it works on YouTube. The unique formats is how you keep subscribers. Mm. So that is something that once people come in and get to know you, that really helps people to be like, oh, this person is unique. I'm going to hit that subscribe button and stay. But it doesn't actually help you getting new eyeballs because every time someone comes across your video in the wild on the homepage, they have a series of decisions to make. They don't recognize you. They have, they've never seen your face rosh before in their life. So there is, that is one decision point to be like, I don't know this person. The second decision point is then looking at like the topic and the thumbnail and the title. They have to make a split second decision, whether that sounds interesting. Now it's a lot easier for them that for them to make that decision. If it's a format they've seen before, mm 
Mm-hmm. So like, I'm just going to take a very broad example. If it's a house tour, they know what a house tour is and right. they know if they're probably going to like a house tour and everybody likes to see strangers' houses. We're just innately nosy that way. So that's a very easy one to get a lot of new eyeballs in because they have one less decision they have to make. All they have to do is I need to take a gamble on Rosh's face. That's the only decision they need to make rather than also, well, I have to gamble on this guy, but also I don't know what this video is really about. So this is risky and they're unlikely to click on it. So I'm always in these cases when when I look at someone's analytics and it's like, ah, here's your problem. You don't have a big enough top of funnel. That's a pretty easy thing of like, let's look at your content mix. Like make sure that every month, yes, you have things that are keep rewarding your subscribers, but also having a video or two, or two that is designed to be so universally clickable that mm. you're going to get this, this nice mix of new eyeballs coming in. Right, right. The second reason why you might not be growing is the one that's much more difficult to solve. So I, I kind of call this whole like area, the engine of growth, because you need to look at your engine of growth and figure out if it's a, you're not just getting enough eyeballs or B it could be that you're actually getting tons of the top of funnel, but they're not converting to subscribers or returning viewers. I have seen channels that are like this. They're really good at SEO. They're really good at answering people's questions. But at the end of the day, after someone watches their videos, they're not that interested in coming back. Like, you know, they're not. And that, unfortunately, and this is, you know, really hard to tell creators is oftentimes you need to work on your camera on camera personality. Right. Which is always awkward to tell someone. It's it's you. <laughs> it's yeah. your. Per- they don't they don't really like you enough to be like. I want to hear them talk about something that may not be the specific thing I, I, I googled. I'm just interested in them, and that's just like that's working on ways to connect with your audience on camera techniques, becoming personal with the camera. There's definitely things you can work on there, but it's definitely not as easy as being like we just need to change up your content mix a little right. bit. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, some people have that natural gift. It's just they have this on camera presence. I mean, I've often said we many times talked about the videos I've made. You know, people will ask me why. Well, why? I say, well, it's the creator. It's me. (laughs) You know, I have some pretty good topics. Unfortunately, I'm in the videos and I get (laughs) it. You know, I love creating and I keep going. And but some people I I do know. I mean, you you watch the videos. like, Wow. um, You need you need to up that game a little bit more. You know, that, that's, I think, true with everybody. If you go back to everyone's very first video, um, it's not that good. And uh, I mean, it, it, everyone, everyone can do better, but I, I think you're right. I mean, sometimes you just have to have a good talk with yourself and either realize you, you are who you are or you have to make a change. And sometimes when you do that, then you're, you know, you're not the person you want to be. Um, again, another thing you need to go through. So that, that's really some good thoughts, some really good thoughts. Uh, digging into um, some of the other metrics, I know some folks um, who like to compare various types of videos that they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. I know I'm just kind of randomly throwing a topic at you here, but you know, re- like with groups, you know, like groups of types of videos. Do you ever do anything like that? I've not had this discussion with anybody really at a high level. I thought maybe you'd be a good one to, to have this discussion. Do you do any kind of comparison like that? with groups of uh, videos and to see how you might want to proceed? I take it one step further and I do track some of my own data. Like I always say like YouTube studio is very useful. Like Mm -hmm. it, and it pulls a lot of stuff, especially the new YouTube studio, it puts in a very digestible form, but there is still certain things that it's hard to see overall patterns 
by looking mm -hmm. at individual videos. You can do the next step and you can use groups in YouTube, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that can be useful if you if you want to look at, you know, a specific subset of videos. And I'll oftentimes like create a group that's like this month's videos so I can then compare it to the library and okay. see how my new videos versus the library performing. But overall, I prefer to pull some basic metrics okay. into, well, a Google, usually a Google, a, a Google kind of Excel type of situation, a Google okay. spreadsheet. Sure. Um, and the big thing here that you really need to be keeping in mind is you need to be comparing the same length of time of data. So this is where a lot of creators get really messed up is because they freak out, they just put up a video, and it's not performing to the levels that they think it should. The problem usually is, is they're comparing that brand new baby video that's been up maybe 12 hours to a video that got put up, you know, six months ago to a year right. and has had six months of a year to develop, you know, this, this pedigree, right? right? And they almost always freak out. This is maybe number three in the list of problems creators come to me about. So I'm like, look, what you should be doing is, you know, you should track, and I usually like to track the first seven days of data for a video because it usually captures a good span of the lifespan, mm -hmm. but still short enough that you can make decisions for your next batch of recording based off that off that data. So pulling basic, basic, basic data, some of them are, like I said, the subscribed views versus the unsubscribed views, your sure. click-through rates, all that sort of fun stuff. Mm -hmm. And that really nicely is able to, and then I, if you want to get really tricky, <laughs> I use conditional formatting so I can really quickly at a glance tell if a video performed above the median or below the median. Mm -hmm. So I can really see what's in my top 50%, what's in my bottom 50% mm, okay. um, for each category. So I can kind of scan across there and be like, oh, this video did really well with my subscribers. This is now classified as a super van video. I know what I can do with that. If okay. underperformed with the unsubscribers, so I know that this isn't a great one for bringing new eyeballs, but it has its place. Right. And oh, the click-through rate did this. And so you can start to really quickly at a glance, see where your video had problems and not problems and you can start to identify like oh the video itself performed pretty well but the you know the thumbnail didn't because the click through, through rates low right. uh, let me look at all my videos that had good click through rates what were the commonalities and how i titled and thumbnailed it and all that right. fun stuff right right very good it, very interesting now you you've worked with a lot of um number of well pretty well known folks through through the years have you found a commonality among them that feel that maybe works well on YouTube that, that, you know, just beyond the data, even personality, or is it just, or a uniqueness, or is there something that you, you know, sometimes uh, when you're in the sales world, you just meet somebody, you know, okay, we're best friends. This is going to work. You know, <laughs> you know, do you ever notice that? Or is it sometimes just a surprise? Like some are, I, I've seen this like in the photography world, somebody you think, no way, no way. Oh, wow. <laughs> that worked out. Um, do you know where I'm going? <laughs> I know exactly where you're okay. going. On a, on a purely, this is kind of odd, unique level. I will say that I can walk into a, a like a meet and greet full of YouTubers, and there is a certain like symmetrical, exaggerated features look mm. that like captures light well, does well on YouTube, comes across on the camera, that looks often a little odd in real life, which is always yeah. interesting. Like they're always, they never quite look the way. Or like, if you've ever met Rosanna Panzino, yeah. this woman is the smallest woman you have ever seen. Really? Like she is, she's like, you know, I'm, I'm to say 
I'm short. I'm 5'2". She comes up to here on Oh, me. wow. Like, okay. and for, for those of you on the radio here, I'm pointing <laughs> to like below my shoulder. Yes, yes. Uh, she's, she's tiny, but on camera, it works really, really well. Now, obviously, when she shoots, like, like they have to, with another person, they have to like stack her up on Apple mm-hmm. boxes quite high. Um, but it just proves to show like, like YouTube does not care what, you know, like that camera, you know, what, what works well to translate on camera yeah. does not always relate to what we think as the standardized ideal and really it's not really i also find it's not how good looking you are it's yeah. how it's how interesting your face is mm. when it's moving on video like and that's something so i encourage people like oh i'm not good looking enough for youtube it's like that's not the point so like the point is do you have an expressive face yes that will be interesting to watch for 20 minutes at a time let's talk and, about casey neistat you know correct exactly yeah. so uh, i don't even remember where we started on this conversation i've been throwing make? random stuff at you it's been great you're doing a great job <laughs> I mean, this this is fun. This is like, you know, I've been prepping for this my entire career for the like <laughs> oral exam here. Um, but I do find like, look, like personality wise, like introverts actually do really great on this platform. Mm-hmm. And I think that's partly because they have the ability to, you know, focus on something as intense as, you know, video making that takes so many hours. Mm -hmm. And it's also, you know, a way uh, for us introverts to like, you know, have some sort of interaction, but in a controlled way where we get to kind of think about it for a while. And oftentimes that personality actually does very, very well. Um, Typically what you find when you meet these people in real life, um, is that there may be like in person t- at least 20 to 30% lower energy than they appear on camera. So mm. whether they're an extrovert or an introvert, because there are definitely a lot of extroverts on the platform who just like want to be talking to people all the time. Yeah. Um, but they really are in real life. It's not like they're being fake, but I always tell people when they get on cameras, you're going to feel like you're being over the top. You're going to yeah. feel like you're being crazy. That's going to translate through the camera as just about normal. Right. If you speak normally, you're going to come across sounding like this and yeah. like you're bored with life and nobody's going to want to watch you. So get rid of the feelings of embarrassments. Like, and you will definitely have it to your earlier point. Like, your first couple of videos are going to be terrible because you're going to be so self-conscious about that camera. Like it's not natural for us for even, and I work with celebrities a lot of the time who've been on camera since they were like 12. Yeah. But there's a big difference between a YouTube camera and like a, you know, a Disney kids show camera right. because you're not supposed to look at it. You're supposed to ignore it. Yeah, but in this right. case, we're telling you, you should stare into it. You should act like that's another person. And that is incredibly uncomfortable and not natural for people. So Mm -hmm. it'll take you a while. And I just say, shoot those videos, put them up over time. Like you're going to get so much better at it and you'll be used to treating the camera as if they're your BFF. Yeah, that, that, that's great. Well, well, definitely one of the reasons I wanted to, to talk with you was certainly on the data side. So I don't want to miss anything. Is there something (laughs) that you have in the back of your head that, you know, we should probably talk about, and, and then I want to get into maybe some things that we want to look into 2021 that maybe creators should be thinking about. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I will say like, uh, I would say that where I have found like a lot of my learning. The big secret. The big secret. <laughs> if I had to say, where's the one place you're going to, you're just going to mind blow you on what it, you'll find. And, and it's going to be this magic thing and everybody's going to know how to do it. Now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, because the problem is the only way to do it is time. Like it's not yeah. some magic thing you can pull. Right. And that's, that's spending time with your retention graphs. 
and yeah. you need to do that on a regular basis. And there's no like secret, like mass way to pull it. Just you need to be looking at every single one of your retention graphs. Um, and I prefer relative retention. Some people prefer absolute. I feel like relative for the beginner is much easier to read. Mm -hmm. um, and you can look at it and start to see what things are going up and what things are going down. Looking at one retention graph doesn't tell you anything. Yeah. It's looking at a hundred retention graphs tells you something because <laughs> you're going to start okay. to see patterns. Yeah. And you will see patterns that are in some things you're going to see, you know, when I look at these across many, many channels. So I start to see things which are universal that mm -hmm. I know, oh, the, one of my favorite ones I always say is blending. People mm. do not like to watch blending. It's loud and it's annoying. So like in our videos, we show blending for a second. People get how to blend, then we move on. Because okay. before that, we'd have a tendency like they'd be blending and the talent would want to talk over it like this. The most annoying thing you can do in life. <laughs> so like those things I see in any single video that there's blending, it always goes down. So I know universally, I don't care what audience you have. It's probably also going to annoy them, especially if they have headphones on. Uh, but there's other things which are very particular to a specific audience. I always say it's very important. You can listen to people like me or Matt Gielen all day long, but we can only give you general statements mm -hmm. about what tends to work and what tends not right, to work. Right, right. You know, your audience is very much, it's very unique. It's going to interact like I have, again, I work with, you know, at any given time right now, five to eight different lifestyle channels that are all aimed at women 25 plus. Mm -hmm. Like, but... Even within that, they're each so unique and they interact so differently. And I know I can do this here, but I can't do this over here because right. they're going to interact with it differently. And the only way you figure that out is spending time in your own data and especially in those retention graphs and saying, ooh, every time I do that, people are like, mm, I'm out of here. Or actually, uniquely, my audience actually likes this. Mm. And I should do more of that. So right. that is something like I personally like to take my favorite like Friday afternoon activity, <laughs> you know, relax, kick back, you know, peruse your data and just see what speaks to you yeah. and start to see those patterns. And that's just, again, you just got to keep putting up videos and keep learning from them. And that's how this process works. You know, the, probably the best advice for anyone just going into 2021. But let's let's just kind of carry that over and just say, you know, if someone came to you right now and said, I'm starting a YouTube channel in 2021, what, what should I be thinking about? I think one of the things I wanna emphasize for everyone moving into 2021, and this is not exactly like it hasn't been this way all along, mm -hmm. but it's definitely becoming a much more major focus for performance on the platform. We can all sit around here and talk about, let's game the algorithm, let's game the algorithm. The truth is the algorithm is getting smarter and smarter all the time. So it gets, you know, it's very hard to be, and there is definitely, and still is weird little things that work and don't work. Uh, but I will say YouTube continually is trying to close those loopholes and just get to their ultimate goal. So what I right. tell people is like, don't focus so much. Like we can sit here and I can teach you exactly how the algorithm works and which systems are, are working and, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, you want to be where the algorithm is going, not where it's been, because mm -hmm. else in, in two weeks, like that video put up is, is no longer relevant. Right. And at the end of the day, we're kind of in the middle in the last year and a half or so of the biggest shift that YouTube has done since it's changed from views as its ultimate metric to watch time, mm -hmm. you know, seven, eight years ago. Right. Uh, and, and this time they're now starting to use language like viewer satisfaction. Right instead of instead of watch time. And, and what does this mean? Well, they found out pretty quickly that you can game, you can like 
you can, the system is set up when you're only looking for watch time in a single session. And this is really important. If you're just looking at single session watch time, you want to feed people the same thing over and over again, because it's very likely that if they just watch the video on cookies, they're going to watch another video on cookies. But the problem is, as we all know, if you eat too many cookies, you're going to get sick of them. And you may not want that type of cookie. Maybe it's a snickerdoodle for another six months. So the problem is getting people would binge on cookies and then would be like, oh, they, they would come out of it with such a sugar hangover yeah, that they right. wouldn't want to come back to YouTube for six months. Mm. And that's a problem for the platform right. is you can give them a sugar high in an instant, but you're not going to get continuous viewership. So they've been putting in place a lot of things over the last year and a half to to make sure that they're more optimizing for um, the long-term satisfaction and return viewership. Right. Uh, in 2021, they're actually coming out with a metric about return viewership, which I'm very excited about. Yes. So keep an eye on that. And that's what I would say in 2021, you should start optimizing for is how do you maximize those return viewers? Mm -hmm. uh, because in the long run, if your videos are maximizing the return viewers, this algorithm is going to over time uh, be optimizing more and more for that. So if you're good at that, any changes that happen the next year in the algorithm are only going to be good for you. Yeah, good, very good. Gwen Miller with wonderful information and really, honestly, Gwen, some really nice insights that have not been mentioned before on, on the show. So a good job. We, I really do appreciate you coming on and I definitely want to have you back because I know there's a lot more that you could share with us. Uh, this is this has been a lot of fun. This is my idea of uh, a good vacation is talking about this stuff. <laughs> Gwen, how could people get in touch with you or, or anything you wish to share with uh, the community that, that if you'd like to connect with, the, if they'd like to connect with you? I, I, I will say I am trying to get into the Twitter, the oh, Twitter thing. Okay. So I would love people if they want to come find me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Gwen I am. So that's Gwen, my name, G-W-E-N. And then I am like the letter I. Uh -huh. And the letter M, like, okay. you know, Miller for my last name. Uh, so Gwen, I am on Twitter because okay. I'm trying to um, get a little bit more active on that platform. So if anyone wants to come over and chat YouTube strategy with me, I am happy to chat. I'm there. Thank you so much, Gwen, for visiting the Tube Labs podcast. Thank you for having me. The Tube Labs podcast is hosted at thetubeblog.com.